Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 141. This week's title leaves nothing to the imagination on the subject matter. I'm going to talk about some really stupid Catholics who apparently listen to this show, disgustingly bad bishops, and the communist-in-chief, Joe Biden. As you know, I don't like asking for your financial support. I always want a win-win situation whenever possible. Well, I've got a way for you to help this apostolate without you having to do anything you're not already doing. Everybody shops on Amazon. I've developed an affiliate relationship with Amazon. When you visit cantankerouscatholic.com and click on the episodes page, blog page, or about the show page, on the right-hand side of the page you'll see Amazon ads for Catholic books and merchandise. There's no price difference from Amazon's site, but if you click on something you're interested in and buy it, Amazon will pay me a small commission just for you clicking on that ad. It doesn't stop there either. Anytime you're on Amazon and find things you want to buy, send me the link to the items and I'll send you another link to click when you're ready to buy. You won't pay a dime more for the item, but Amazon will pay me a commission. That way, you can help to financially support this apostolate just by doing what you were going to do anyway. Remember, visit the episodes, blog, and about the show pages to find Catholic books and merchandise, and send me links to other things you want to buy on Amazon, and I'll send you links that will pay this apostolate a small commission. And I thank you in advance for your support. Recently, someone locally who listens to this show, and I don't have any idea who, complained to my parish priest that I've been saying some very bad things about bishops. Being criticized doesn't bother me. If I were so thin-skinned that criticism bothered me, this very popular show wouldn't have lasted long. What bothers me is that some Catholics are really so stupid or so theologically thick that they still can't see the USCCB for the criminal empire that it is. Catholics like this are the sort of people that they'd comment on how pretty a nuclear blast mushroom cloud is just before they're vaporized by it. To my critic and other stupid Catholics, I want you to know that you're the Catholics who've permitted the Marxist and Lavender Mafia bishops and priests to turn the church militant into a moral cesspool. If Catholics had been paying attention, they would have demanded from the beginning that we're all properly taught the faith and that the bishops would stand up against the cultural morass of the God-hating left. Now that bishops support and promote things like abortion, LGBT, and other democratic issues that are literally killing us and driving thousands out of the church, we can thank you stupid Catholics for passively, if not actively, enabling them. Just last week, that homosexual-loving bishop John Stowe of Lexington, Kentucky, came out and criticized pro-life Catholics for finding it so horrible that 3,000 babies are slaughtered to his apparent god, Moloch. 
I'm not supposed to be critical, though. Also last week, the Satanic Temple announced they were suing Texas over the new heartbeat law, saying the law denies them their religious liberty to have ritual abortions. What did the USCCB say about this? Crickets. All we heard was crickets. To the best of my knowledge, not a single American bishop said a damn thing. But I'm not supposed to be critical. And let's talk about the bishops and thick Catholics who don't like discussing politics. As Michael Voris and other Catholic lay leaders have echoed this show repeatedly, Catholicism and politics are absolutely intertwined in America. Every single thing about the Catholic Church in America is also about politics. You can't separate the two, unless, of course, you don't care about the destiny of souls, especially your own. The vast majority of our bishops are registered Democrats. As Father Altman famously told us, you can't at the same time be a Catholic and a Democrat, but they spent the entire 2020 campaign promoting Joe Biden. They were essentially saying, orange man bad, Biden good. Then when the election thievery was over, Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles made a public statement that he didn't think Sleepy Joe would promote the life issues that the Catholic Church stands for. And I'm not supposed to be critical about that? It's a little late, Your Excellency. Why didn't you make that statement before the election, especially since Trump was the most pro-life president in history? Oh, that's right, your statement might have influenced some stupid Catholics to vote for Big Orange instead of Bad Catholic Joe. The criminal empire known as the USCCB funnels millions of dollars, if not billions, into the Catholic campaign for human development for the promotion of a bevy of evils. They use your money with the cash you really stupid Catholics give the criminals directly and your tax dollars to promote homosexuality, transgenderism, sex outside of marriage for teens, abortion, artificial contraception, Marxism, funding the police, and illegal immigration. If you don't believe it, just Google the Lepanto Institute and read the in-depth reports they've done on this. Your money, stupid Catholics, is helping to destroy this great nation. And I'm wrong to say bad things about the criminals of the USCCB? Wake up! Stupid Catholics who take a stand that anyone's criticism of this ecclesiastical mafia is wrong, you can count on it that you'll be judged as complicit with their evils when your own personal judgment comes. That's not my opinion. A simple reading of scripture makes it perfectly clear. Do we have any good bishops in the USCCB? No, we don't. Yes, a few bishops do good things occasionally. Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, has stood up for Father Altman, the priest in La Crosse, Wisconsin, who's been persecuted by his bishop for telling the truth, and last week he stood up to publicly refuse taking the jab. Several years ago, Bishop Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, told abortion-supporting politicians not to present themselves for communion in his diocese. 
Archbishop Corleone of San Francisco has been talking a lot about pro-death politicians shouldn't be receiving communion, even though bad Catholic Nancy Pelosi hasn't been told by her illustrious Archbishop not to take communion in her home archdiocese. These men may make some good orthodox sounds, but not one of them have stood up to challenge the USCCB for its crimes. Not one! There's only one good American bishop, but unfortunately he doesn't have a diocese in this country. He's in Rome. I'm referring to Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, of course. Even though Cardinal Burke has been essentially sidelined by Pope Frank, this courageous bishop has been the only one to stand up for our holy and ancient faith at all times and in all places. He's really pretty surprised that he's still a prince of the church or that he hasn't been excommunicated. Cardinal Burke does what every single Orthodox bishop should be doing, but the cowards won't. Their job is to defend the faith boldly and without concern for their own welfare, but they don't. Their job is to be shepherds guarding the flock, but they're mere hirelings instead. As actor Mel Gibson asked the other day, I wonder who's hiring them. It certainly isn't Christ. One bishop recently told Michael Vorce that he doesn't make noise outside of his diocese because he fears Cardinal Supich will have him replaced. So? That's your job. It doesn't matter what Supich does. Despite its public knowledge that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development promotes all of the immoral things that it does, under the direction of the USCCB, have you heard a single bishop call them out for this corruption? Not a single one. Better yet, is there a single American bishop who's pulled out of the USCCB in protest of the corruption? Well, if they're too cowardly to call them out for corruption... They sure as hell don't have the guts to get out of the USCCB. And I want to tell you, gutless Orthodox bishops, that God will judge you as complicit in these evils because of your silence. The little piece of real estate that you think you'll find in heaven will probably be in hell instead. Jesus said in Revelation 21.8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Every single bishop of the USCCB is described by Christ in this passage at least one time. Every one of them. Jesus is pretty clear about what's in store for them. But do you want to know who else this applies to? the stupid Catholics who stupidly think it's wrong to call a spade a spade when it comes to the criminals in the USCCB. Why? Because in your stupidity, you enable the criminals in the perpetuation of their crimes. I have to say, though, that the stupid Catholics actually have a slim chance of making heaven because stupid people aren't judged as harshly in God's justice as others. The people that I really feel sorry for are the Orthodox priests that keep their heads down to avoid the wrath of their bishops when they know those bishops are wrong. Some of those priests lie to themselves and convince themselves they're doing the right thing. How will God judge that? I don't know. It's above my pay grade. 
However, I do know how they'll be judged for the loss of the souls in their care because of their self-deceit. Jesus told us repeatedly what would happen to them. In Luke 17, 2, he said, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Such a priest might say, Well, well, gee, Joe, I care for my parishioners and their salvation. Really? When was the last time you preached a homily on contraception and other sexual sin? You know damn well that your parishioners neither know nor understand the Catholic faith, yet you do nothing to recatechize and re-evangelize your flock. How in the hell can you possibly care for the souls of your parishioners when you only preach five to seven minute homilies that are milquetoast feel-good topics? You can't, and you're risking your own soul in the process. Let's get back to the bishops. Do you want to know what the USCCB's greatest creation is? It's their Frankenstein monster in the White House. They created and formed Joe Biden over the last 50 years. Sleepy Joe at least showed some faith 50 years ago when he went to Washington, but they reshaped and formed him into their own criminal image and likeness. The one bishop who's most responsible for Joe is the former Cardinal Uncle Ted McCarrick. At the same time that McCarrick was forming Biden through the close relationship they had, this communist-trained cleric was also redefining the USCCB to look and act like him. And how has the USCCB's Frankenstein monster worked out? Well, last week we learned that this arrogant, unelected communist-in-chief believes that he's a dictator. We can't expect anything else from the man who stole the White House, I suppose. At any rate, last week, Sleepy Joe threatened 80 million Americans with forced poverty by telling them they'll take the jab or lose their jobs. He says that we have to do what he says, then just shut up about it. I love this country, the greatest nation in the history of the world. My family has defended this nation and its constitution since the Revolutionary War. We've spilled our blood from the Battle of Princeton and on to five continents to make and keep this nation free. Then along comes the USCCB's Frankenstein monster Joe Biden and dictates to the American people what we're going to think, believe, and do. We're a free people, endowed with inalienable rights not by our Constitution, but by God himself. The USCCB has kept stupid Catholics brainwashed and worked with the Luciferian Democratic Party and lamestream media to create the Frankenstein monster Joe Biden, and now they think they've won. Well, they've got another think coming. Now is the time for every church-loving, America-loving Catholic to stand and fight. Don't make the mistake of thinking that because you don't vote for Democrats or because you listen to this show and follow church militant that you're fighting. You aren't accomplishing a damn thing by doing that. The Catholic Church on earth is called the church militant for a reason. We're supposed to be militants, warriors. If you're not actually out there fighting, then you're a contributor to our problems. It's time way past time, in fact, to get out there and fight. 
If you need to be guided in the right direction, or if you need help repenting from being a stupid Catholic, reach out to me today. The China virus lockdown suspended mass across the country. When restrictions were lifted, few Catholics returned to mass. Why? Because no matter how you slice it, American Catholics simply don't know our faith. In two different EWTN surveys of Catholics conducted in November of 2019 and February of 2020 respectively, 86% said that their religion is very important to them. Yet 82% reject at least one Catholic doctrine, 41% never go to confession, 61% don't attend Mass regularly, 70% don't believe in the real presence, 84% believe abortion should be illegal, and 55% agree with euthanasia. Clearly, American Catholics are completely or almost completely ignorant of the Catholic faith. If they weren't, these figures wouldn't be so dismal. Despite their lack of knowledge, it's nearly impossible to interest them in catechesis they need so desperately. Well, I've got a remedy for that. Introducing the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts, which are endorsed by Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. Everyone reads the Sunday bulletin, and these bulletin inserts provide a thumbnail catechism lesson that is anything but typically boring catechism. They not only tell readers what the church believes, but why the church believes it. In the parishes where these bulletin inserts are already being used, parishioners love them. I know because I get emails every week telling me so. If you're a parish priest, you can get three months of what we believe, why we believe it to try it out for free. Some laity get subscriptions for their parishes as well. To learn more, click on the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Insert. It just requires 11 minutes of your time to see the video. Joe Six-Pack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Six-Pack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the blaze. Lewis County General Hospital in Lowville, New York, announced that they will stop delivering babies after September 24 because of a spate of resignations by maternity unit workers who object to the COVID-19 vaccination mandate imposed by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. Rural hospitals everywhere are really trying to figure out how they're going to make it work, said Lewis County Health System CEO Gerald Kayer. Uh-oh. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 4 Hats off to Fox Business News. Beef prices have risen 14% this year. Pork has jumped 12.1% and poultry has risen 6.6%. But grocery chain Kroger said prices are headed higher later this year. The Federal Reserve has claimed that the price increases are transitory and that pressure on prices will subside when supply chain disruptions are resolved. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to Fox News. 
Former President Trump again floated a 2024 presidential run as he met with police officers and firefighters in New York City on the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. When asked if he would launch a comeback in 2024, Trump said, Actually, for me, it's an easy question. I mean, I know what I'm going to do, but I'm not supposed to be talking about it yet from the standpoint of campaign finance laws, which frankly are ridiculous. Trump added, I think you're going to be happy. Yee-haw! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to the Catholic vote. Senators Marco Rubio, Kevin Kramer, and Mike Braun introduced the Peace Act in August to discourage the teaching of divisive concepts like critical race theory in classrooms under the Department of Education's American History and Civics Education Program. I will not allow American students to be subjected to propaganda that seeks to divide and indoctrinate future generations into believing that some individuals are inherently racist solely due to the color of their skin, said Rubio. Let the fight begin! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the Daily Signal. The unborn child in the notorious Roe v. Wade case was never aborted. She was born before the Supreme Court's final decision. Her name is Shelley Thornton, and she has now come forward to tell her story. When someone's pregnant with a baby and they don't want that baby, that person develops knowing they're not wanted, Thornton told author Joshua Prager. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. John was spending the summer on his uncle's farm. As is the case with young boys, John found a lot of things he liked to do on the farm. On Sunday, though, he grumbled that he had to go so far with his uncle to Holy Mass. His uncle said nothing of John's grumbling, but on market day, he brought home several large, juicy peaches from his own orchard and gave them to his nephew. Tom thanked him warmly, because he loved those juicy peaches. Later, when the uncle asked John if he could spare one of the seven peaches, the boy replied, Sure, uncle, take as many as you want. After all, they came from your own orchard. He handed the bag to his uncle so he could help himself. I see you're more generous with me than you are with the good God who gave us those peaches, said the uncle. What do you mean, John asked. 
You don't begrudge me a share of the fruit I've given you. Yet when God has given you seven days in a week, you grumble at sparing him a part of one day in seven, which God gave you to worship and thank him. John never complained again. Time is one of the many things God gives most of us in abundance. There are 168 hours in a week that he gives us, and that's time most of us enjoy and prosper in. I wonder, though, just how much we appreciate those hours every week. If you're 40 years old, God has given you over 266,000 hours to live, love, and enjoy life. How many of those hours have been given back to him? Assuming you've attended Mass every Sunday of your life, you've only given him back 2,000 hours. Seems a little disproportionate, doesn't it? Despite the seeming disproportion, God still only asks for one of those hours each week for Holy Mass, and several extra hours throughout the year for Holy Days of Obligation. How is that hour each week spent? Are you like John and grumble at the obligation of giving God that hour for Mass, or do you offer it to Him freely and joyfully? When at church for Mass, do you spend the time before Mass preparing for the Holy Sacrifice by being silent before the tabernacle, being contrite for your sins, and thanking Him for His sacrifice and all the good He's given you? Or do you allow yourself to be distracted and think about just about everything except Him and His sacrifice? We Catholics have all the gestures down pat, but I wonder whether we even know what those gestures are all about. I see people coming into church and at least make an attempt to genuflect before going into the pew, but I think most don't even know why they genuflect. I've been to many a parish church where the tabernacle's been moved off to the side, yet when people enter the church, they genuflect toward the altar. That tells me they don't know why they're genuflecting or what they're genuflecting to because we're supposed to be genuflecting to His Majesty, the King of Creation, and the tabernacle as a sign of homage, love, and respect. Then I observe most Catholics kneeling before sitting in the pew. Why are they doing that? Well, they're supposed to be praying in preparation for Holy Mass because they're about to witness a representation of Christ's presence on the cross. But what they're supposed to be doing and what many of them are actually doing appear to be two separate things. I see them looking around or giving a short wave and a smile to someone else or fidgeting with their hair. And when I see these things, I realize, too, I'm being guilty of not giving myself entirely to God as I should or I wouldn't be noticing these things. I'm afraid most of us have come to see going to Mass as one of our social events of the week instead of what it is, the worship of our Creator in the way He demands to be worshipped. I don't go to the Vigil Mass on Saturday evening because I don't need to use that privilege. I'm able to attend Sunday Mass, but I do go before Mass to confession on Saturday. As I sit there in the pew making my final preparation for a good confession, I'm usually distracted by all the talking on the part of others who are there for the vigil mass. Folks, we don't go to mass to socialize. We go to mass to worship God and no other reason. There's nothing wrong with socializing, but if you want to socialize, do it outside before or after mass, not when you're supposed to be preparing for mass and communion. 
If you won't maintain silence for the sake of your own soul, at least be courteous enough to do so for those others who want to make a good preparation for the holy sacrifice of the Mass. During the sign of peace, everyone seems to want to take even that brief few seconds to socialize. Why? Are we that starved for the attention of others? Have we so forgotten or perverted our notion of what the Mass is all about that we treat it like it's just another social event? During the sign of peace, Jesus is already on the altar. Our focus is supposed to be on Him. That's why we're supposed to only greet the person on each side of us with a blessing of peace and quietly. It's an abuse of our participation in the Mass and a terribly disrespectful act toward Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist on the altar to hug, kiss, wave, and otherwise take our attention away from Jesus who's present on the altar in His body, blood, soul, and divinity in the consecrated host and blood in the chalice. These abuses are precisely why many priests use their legitimate option not to allow the sign of peace at all. The worst abuse, though, is people leaving immediately after communion. If you're attending a weekday Mass, it only takes another five minutes before Mass is over. For Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, there are only another ten minutes required of us before the Mass ends. Are we so selfish? thoughtless and disrespectful that we can't afford to give God another ten minutes? This is what he demands, but we still choose to offend him by leaving early. Did you know that it's a mortal sin not to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation without a sufficient reason? And going on a weekend trip to visit relatives or vacation or a picnic or go fishing are not sufficient reasons. And did you know that to leave before the final blessing means you haven't fulfilled your Mass obligation? That's right. So not only is it gravely disrespectful to our Eucharistic Lord, but it's also a mortal sin to leave Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation before Mass is ended. This not only means a mortal sin is committed by leaving Mass early because you fail to fulfill your obligation to participate in the Mass, but all subsequent communions add to the mortal sin of sacrilege. Friends, it's time to get serious about our faith, especially when it comes to the holy sacrifice of the Mass and Holy Communion. We've had it much too good for far too long in America, and it's caused us to become lax in the practice of our holy and ancient faith. Attending the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is not a social event. Assisting at Mass is a moral obligation that means the difference between eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. Jesus is mercy, but he's also justice and truth, so don't make the mistake of making him the warm fuzzy who'll overlook the laxity we commonly practice. Let's remember that our laxity, our lukewarmness, was condemned by Jesus. In Revelation 3.16 he said, So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. When I realized that God was leading me into podcasting with the Cantankerous Catholic, I knew it was for more than just serving you and saying what I say and doing what I do. 
Circumstances have recently caused me to see the next step. Some of you are going to be called by God to participate in this next step because you love souls and our holy and ancient faith. If you're a regular listener, you'll recall that I spent weeks promoting the idea that some of you need to get into the heat of spiritual battle by starting your own podcast. The other day I read a statistic that led me to believe that it's necessary now more than ever. Statistics show that attendance at Mass has increased for women, but men have virtually disappeared. The reasons are varied. The relevant point is that we need to get men back because there can be no family and no Catholic church without strong Catholic men. I had to learn the podcasting business in order to take the next step that I'm convinced God wants me to take. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be forming a Catholic podcasting network. I'll be inviting some very good independent Catholic podcasters into the network. More important to you, though, I'm imploring you to consider developing and launching a podcast of your own to join this new network. I'm working out the system so you'll even be able to earn revenues with your podcast if you join the network. Don't think that your age, circumstances, talents, or lack thereof will keep you from launching a podcast. I'm old, in a wheelchair, can use only one arm, and my brain and mouth are rarely in sync. I sound good to most of you on the show, but you ought to hear it before the audio editing. Trust me, you can do it. I'm willing and anxious to help any and all of you who are willing to work with me to develop a podcast of your own for this network. It'll take me time. It'll cost me thousands of dollars that I don't have, but God's proven to me that he's a very generous banker when I'm doing what he wants me to do. Bottom line, this will get done. If you're interested in the possibility of starting a podcast that can be part of this network that can reach millions of souls and save the church from its current problems, reach out to me. Let's start a conversation today, now. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Ignatius of Loyola. He said, After you have made a decision that is pleasing to God, the devil may try to make you have second thoughts. Intensify your prayer time, meditation, and good deeds. For if Satan's temptations merely cause you to increase your efforts to grow in holiness, he'll have an incentive to leave you alone. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A certain man lived a very wicked life and wouldn't consider doing penance or amending his ways. At first he'd go to confession at Easter, but he eventually even missed his Easter duty. When the local parish priest announced the parish mission, to put his friends off, he said, After the mission, I'll begin a new life. I'll go to confession for the mission. The mission began. The church bell solemnly called out for the faithful to come to the opening devotion. 
but almost immediately after the bells quit ringing, they began again in a death knell, announcing to the parish that someone had died. To the people's surprise, they learned that the man who said he'd amend his life after the mission is the one who died. God gave this man graces repeatedly in the past, but he refused them. Consequently, he went before God's judgment seat unprepared. Those who put off their confession for a long time become accustomed to this and risk losing their souls. If you don't make use of God's grace when he offers it to you, he may deny the grace when you need it the most. We see almost the entire parish church go to receive communion every Sunday, yet very few can be found in the confession line. As the adage goes, if there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven, that says a lot about anticipated traffic numbers. Frequent confession is one of the best ways to save your soul. Leaving confession for only once or twice a year is indifference and negligence, both in service to God and in the care of your soul. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.